Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sarah. And I'm Beth. We are lawyers, mothers, and hosts of the bipartisan podcast, Pantsuit Politics. Just as we differ in political philosophy, we've arranged our lives in very different ways, from our careers to where we live to our choices around marriage and family. But we have more in common than divides us. In a world that increasingly defaults to false dichotomies, we explore the messiness of living wisely. Choices, trade-offs, priorities, and grace of living a nuanced life. Welcome to another episode of The Nuanced Life. We are so excited to share a conversation with you today from Christina Martin about fifth dimensional healing. But before we get to our main conversation, it's time for our favorite part of the show, commemorations. This week, we got a commemoration from friend of the pod. I don't know if friend is a strong enough word for Carrie. What is Carrie to our pods, Beth? Um, She's our Middle East correspondent, I think. And just essential, all around essential person. Carrie says, four years ago, I quit my full-time job so that I could spend more time with my young kids. It was a huge decision that affected my identity, ego, finances, etc. But it was a great one. I'm so grateful for the four years in which I've had more time with my kids. And that period, I also set up my own business and have worked part-time as a political risk consultant and writer. This week, my youngest started kindergarten, and now they're both at school all day. It's a big transition for all of us. I'm excited to work on expanding my business and to consider what I want to accomplish in the new phase of life. Best summer course on Summer of Reflection has also helped me prepare for this new phase. It was a delight to have Carrie in my Summer of Reflection course. It was really, really nice. So thank you, Carrie, for doing that. And congratulations to you. That's a very big deal. Lots of transitions in there and lots of commemoration. So good for you. We also heard from Allison who wanted to share a story that she wasn't sure is a proper commemoration, and Allison, let me assure you that it is. Last week, Allison says, I was walking my dog and approached a busy intersection. The light changed as we reached the corner, but a woman drove up to make a right turn and did that thing too many of us do, where we go to turn right while looking left the entire time. She came into the crosswalk and paused, but you could tell she was going to go on through without acknowledging pedestrians. However, a man had been waiting at the corner and immediately went off on her. There was lots of cursing. She came to a complete stop, and I kept right on walking, not wanting to get directly involved, but peeking back to make sure things didn't escalate to violence. Today, I was out walking my dog again, and a man waved me over from a bus stop and asked if I was the one who passed him the other day when he yelled at that woman. When I said yes, he said he wanted to apologize that I had to see and hear the language he used. He essentially said, that's not who I am, and my anger is something I'm working on, but that's not acceptable. We introduced ourselves, shook hands, and I thanked him for this apology. I just felt this needed to be noticed. It takes guts to strike up a conversation with a stranger to apologize for something like that. How beautiful is that? That makes me cry. That legitimate, that the vulnerability. I mean, I cannot even with that story. It's world-changing stuff, right? When we take responsibility for our own stuff and reach out to other people to set that example and make amends, it's huge. I want to find this man and hug him and name some things after him. Seriously, that's amazing. 
Thank you, Allison. Thank you for sharing that with us. Seriously. We also got some feedback, first from our listener, Lissa, who has reached out to us about a nature and nuance retreat. So stay tuned for details on that. But she said she wanted to throw out the idea that the workaholism issue is reflective of the problem with narcissism generally in America, that we as a culture think the world revolves around us and don't have the perspective to think that the system as a whole is bigger than us all and that we need to leave space for those things. It is very hard for us to recognize that no, we aren't individually all that special, that we all need a little more humility. But this was so good. So spot on. It really it's it's so true because it I mean, listen, I think so much of it is just inherent in the way our brains work. Like I, a very profound lesson I learned, I remember during a very controversial condo issue when I lived in D.C. is that I was like sweating it all the time. And then I realized, oh, wait, everyone else is worrying about themselves, too. Like when he's like seeing the Matrix, like I am so worried about what these people think about me, but they are only thinking about themselves. Uh, I mean, I think like I said, so I think it's sort of it's inherent in our psychology. But that doesn't mean we can't recognize it and try to do better. I think I have two comments about this. One is that I think in raising our children, something early on we can do to do better on this is take time to uplift the accomplishments of other people to our children instead of just theirs. Did you Mm. notice how great so-and-so did at that? That was awesome. Or tell me about one of your friends who did something amazing at school today, right? Instead of just focusing on them. The other thing that helped me as an adult reframe my perspective in exactly the way you just described about the condo, Sarah, and go with me here, was practicing bankruptcy law. Hmm. Because a Chapter 11 bankruptcy case is, more than anything else, just an exercise in dealing with competing interests to a limited amount of resources. Right, right. But explain to people who don't know much about bankruptcy what you mean by that. So if a company files for bankruptcy protection under Chapter 11, there's going to be not a lot of money, right? That's why they filed for bankruptcy protection, because they're running out of funds and they owe more money to other people than they have to pay out. And so everybody comes to the court and the judge's job is to sort out the priority of those interests And how this limited pool of funds is going to be dispersed among all these people who are owed more than exist here Mm -hmm. in a way that's fair and in a way that recognizes the agreements people made and the expectations people had of this company before it went into bankruptcy. So usually you're going to have people who are owed money for providing things like electricity, critical supplies they need to make their products. Then you maybe have obligations owed to employees, especially in the form of retirement plans and things like that. Then you have all of the banks that lent money to the company to keep it operating. And all of these folks, there isn't really anything that feels obviously just or correct in these cases Mm. because everybody has a legitimate claim. Right. And there's just not enough to go around. And as a lawyer, it was so, I don't know, healthy for me to understand that we were trying to get to something as close to fairness as possible in a situation where What is ultimately fair and right is not possible under the circumstances. And I think it really helped me understand like, oh, no, no one here is that special. This is a story without a hero and a villain. Mm -hmm. It just is. And we're all just playing our part in it. And I think that if we could bring that perspective to more things, it would be really, really healthy. So, so true. We also heard from Marin, who was talking about 
our workaholism episode. And Marin is a teacher, and she was talking about how the glorification of long hours for teachers is a very big problem. And just like we talked about, you know, what kind of care are you going to get from a doctor who's been on for 12 hours? She said, what kind of care do you think your children are going to get from a teacher who started her day at 6 a.m. and ended it at 1 in the morning grading papers. But that is what is expected of teachers. And she said, especially among teachers, you're never going to get to that sort of teacher of the year place without really sacrificing your entire life to the profession at the expense of your family. And she had a lot of really compelling things to say about that and the relationship between that and sort of generalized negativity, people complaining about work constantly, feeling overworked, underappreciated, undercompensated, which is absolutely true for most of our teachers. Yeah, that's what I was saying. So many teachers are doing side gigs. Yes. And she mentioned that, like most people are working two jobs, whatever. But I wanted to read this piece of her email because I think it is so on point. This might be me getting overly cynical, but I think another cultural contribution to this is the obnoxious inspirational quote meme that you see floating around the internet. If you're friends on Facebook with any educator, you've probably seen them post something such as a long list of complaints about all the ways that teaching is the worst profession ever, but it's worth it because of a smile or a hug or knowing that you're making a difference. I think that's baloney. Teachers have to stop undermining themselves as intelligent professionals by saying that they are willing to be paid through the expectation that children will somehow fill our emotional bucket. That's an extremely unhealthy way to go into the teacher-student relationship. This emphasis on the currency of warm fuzzies also means that when a 10-year-old says something sassy to you because, hey, they are a 10-year-old and that's their job, you're going to take it way too personally, come home and cry, or potentially even snap back at them despite your best efforts not to and despite your training and knowledge that that is not the appropriate reaction. The glorification of work in combination with the willing ignorance of the reality of a teacher's life working two jobs in order to support her family and expected to be paid back in hugs and smiles are two extremely problematic issues underlying the poor state of education. I thought that was so good. Preach it. So later she says, I'm not sure how to fix these issues, but if I can be granted a moment of grace with the full understanding that I sound a little nutty as I say this, I think that in my ideal world, we would take Sarah's point about changing diapers to another level. All humans would in some way be made to understand what it is to be of service to another human life. I have long held the belief that it would alleviate a lot of tensions within the public school system or our national politics in general if all people were required upon leaving high school to spend a year of their life in some type of service position, working in a school alongside a teacher, in a library, with firefighters, with policemen, or in the military in some capacity, etc. These experiences could potentially give people a better capacity for empathy and a true understanding of the life of those people who choose a career in service to the rest of our country. Love it. I totally co-sign that idea. And I don't, as I was thinking about it, I don't know that it needs to just be at the end of high school. I think there are some kids who around 16 or 17, that's the reality check that they need. Okay, that's hilarious because I was thinking the opposite direction at age. Like, no, let's wait till they're older and their prefrontal cortex has developed and they can really internalize these lessons. That's perfect. And what I was about to say, too, is like, I think a lot of adults need this, too. Yeah. I mean, I, I could benefit from this hugely. Who couldn't, right? Mm-hmm. I was telling Chad last night that if I ever ran for office, I think adult education would be my main issue. Because mm. I do think a huge problem, and we've talked about this before, that we have is this sense of like, you get to a certain point and you're done, you know everything, you're good. And I think economically we suffer because people don't know how to do new things. We don't have enough adaptability and flexibility. And I think that leads to this culture of work, 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 because there's nothing else, 
Right. Right. And so you are working really hard to be the teacher of the year because there isn't anything else available to you or in front of you or doesn't feel like there is at least. So I loved this message. Um, It had so much wisdom in it. Thank you for sharing it with us. And thank you all for your great feedback as always. And speaking of wisdom, we're going to be sharing our conversation with Christina Martin coming up next. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We are talking with Christina Martin, who is the author of Fifth Dimensional Healing. She has a fantastic YouTube channel. And it's so nice to meet you, Christina. It's nice to meet you, too. I'm happy to be here. Tell us what fifth dimensional healing is, which I know is a big question. Yeah. (laughs) So fifth dimensional healing is a book I wrote, a book that was channeled for me, and it's essentially a holistic healing manual, which teaches you how to heal your mind, your body, your heart, and your soul. So it's split into these four sections, just so there's something for everybody in there. So in the mind section, I basically talk about meditation and mindfulness and present, like how do you be present? What does that actually mean? In the emotional section, in the heart section, I offer energy healing exercises that are that are safe for anyone to try, even if people are new on their spiritual journey and they are a little skeptical of everything. Um, there's something for everyone there. In the physical section, healing the body section, I talk about diet and exercise, just basic things that I think are really useful for people to know. And in the spiritual section, I talk about how to clear karma, which for me is stored trauma that gets stuck within the body. Yeah, so basically uh, what I've discovered just through observation, (laughs) just through living my life, is that sometimes we can hold on to things from from our past, from our childhood or past lives, uh, traumas, and they get stuck within our energetic body. And so if we don't consciously seek them out and, and learn how to clear them, they can cause all sorts of uh, problems in our lives. They can manifest as a physical illness or uh, a mental illness. And so I really focus on going to the deepest part of ourselves, going to the soul to do healing work. Because when you go to that level to heal, the mind and body does follow and all of reality just starts to change and become really, really beautiful. Life just becomes a gift. So it's basically a guidebook for people on, on earth <laughs> to have a good life. Yeah. So I, how, what would you say to somebody if they're not sure how they feel about past lives or they're not sure how they, they, if they subscribe to everything, do you need to sort of be in it on all these levels to get something out of this approach? Or is there sort of like an intro approach where you can try out um, some of the approaches and not necessarily subscribe to the whole thing? Yeah, I wrote it in a way that it starts off with scientific data. I reference a lot of uh, medical journals and things like that in the, in the physical body section just to kind of ease people into the spiritual section. And then it gets pro- progressively weirder and weirder. If people aren't ready, <laughs> ready for certain things, they can pick and choose. It's written kind of like a textbook. So you can... You can read it in a linear way or you can, if you're working on something in particular, like uh, an emotional problem or something, you can go specifically to that 
section of the book and and uh, find what you're looking for. So it's it's really just for people can use it how they want to. Yeah. Tell us how you got to the point of of feeling like this. I don't know if I should call it a technique, but this approach uh, came through you. What what has your journey with spirituality been? I think honestly, a lot a lot of uh, pain pushed me in, into the work that I'm doing. I, I grew up in a pretty abusive household. And that was, that was awful, honestly, because I realized later on in life that I was an empath. So I would take on the emotions and the thoughts of other people. I was kind of like a psychic sponge taking on the good and the bad and just all of the emotions around me. And I didn't know how to create solid boundaries. We don't get taught this in school. We don't get taught mm-hmm. how to, you know, concentrate and meditate and do all these practices that, that would be very, very useful. And so for a long time, I really thought there was something wrong with me just because I felt so awful all the time. And that kind of pushed me into depression and and things like that. And then through that pain, you know, moving out of that, I really started to question why I was here. I, I did I did have this major awakening at, at age 17, after a suicide attempt, I heard this voice uh, after I lived, obviously, I heard this voice, um, the voice of my higher self, speak to me and tell me that I was meant to be here on earth. And so I really started to question, why am I here? Okay, well, why did I come here? If everything is meaningful, then why did I come here? And I really started to uh, just meditate and, and journey into myself. And I did discover that we do have a purpose for coming here, and uh, we, we really are on a, a journey here, a healing journey, and I feel like we're all from the same source. We're all from this uh, complete, totally divine place. I kind of look at spirituality. The easiest way for me to explain spirituality, even to scientific minds, is like we're all from this central source, the same source, and it's kind of like we have this objective viewpoint and in order to know ourselves fully, we dream ourselves into these subjective bodies or human experiences in order to experience ourselves and know and grow and things like that. And so if you kind of explore your, your inside world, you really start to see that you are a loving being when you shut off the mind and your thoughts <laughs> just for a little bit, you really start to feel your, your natural state arise. And that, that, that state is, uh, that presence is, is loving. And so I really, you know, just try to focus on that and try to remind people that that that's really what they are. You know, I think we're just a little bit caught up in the mind these days and caught up in all the distractions. And so I really just try to remind people of this most simple thing. And that is, you know, at our at our core, we're loving beings and we can we can we can align with that in any moment just by becoming present. And I think that's really what the book is about. It's just to, to help people learn how to be still with themselves and, and do this kind of inner healing work because, uh, yeah, we are very distracted. We're, we look outside a lot for the answers now, but I really feel that uh, the answers are within. Everything we need is, comes from within. That's beautiful. That is beautiful, and thank you for sharing that with us. And I, I wish that you hadn't had to endure that pain to get where you are, but I'm so struck as you're talking, Christina, by how I just watched a YouTube video of you talking about how people don't hurt us, they act from unconsciousness. And hearing more about your personal mm. story, I think it's even more amazing that you've arrived at that kind of wisdom. 
yeah, it's <laughs> it's a little bit hard for people who are going through it. They're in, in the thick of it to to hear that kind of information. I know I spent a lot of my life playing the victim and saying, I can't be happy now because this person hurt me and I want to get revenge on this person or I went through this abuse and that's why I can't be in my power now or we tell ourselves all these stories. Um, and that's another one of the main things I try to put out there with the book. You know, we really do have the power to to come back to our center and, and claim our sovereignty and let go of the past <laughs> because it really only exists um, when we think about it, right? It, it exists in the mind. It's not there anymore. But memories and things like that and traumas can, can get stuck in the body. So learning how to do energy work and this deep inner work, spiritual practices can can help you release things you don't want to hold on to in a safe way because <laughs> it can be overwhelming to to do this kind of work to actually sit with yourself and realize I am the cause of my pain I am the cause of my suffering and I can choose to let this go and I can choose to to just you know be grateful and it's really just a guidebook because uh you know no I can't heal other people I call myself a healer but I can't heal anybody I can only point people in the direction of the path that they have to decide to embark on you open the book with a glossary, which I... Saving money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at really appreciate. And you have the most lovely definition of angels in that glossary. Will you talk a little bit about that? Oh my gosh, I don't even remember what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> I I feel like, yeah, angels are, are loving beings, higher dimensional beings, let's just say that, who we can contact to help us uh, any kind of healing work we're doing. And I feel like as humans, we've already been in those in those higher realms. Maybe we've forgotten, but we really have. And we kind of come back down to the lower realms and, and make our journey back up to source. That's the way I look at it. And so even as humans right now, we're, we're becoming angels or we're becoming these higher, higher um, beings. I feel like we all have a, a guidance team, spiritual, uh, you know, power animals and, and uh, spirit guides we can work with. And if you... If anyone listening wants to connect with these kind of beings that maybe we can't see but we can feel, you really just kind of have to start using your intuition. And for me, that really does come down to the body. Intuition for me is just learning how to, to feel, <laughs> feel your body and listen to it rather than the thoughts that come up. Like the ego wants its way often and the intuition will often inconvenience the ego but once we start following our feelings, the, that the, our gut feelings and things like that, rather than the ego and the mind, um, we just start opening into this uh, broader perspective and we do start becoming more aware of all the other uh, realities that are existing with us and the beings that want to uh, work with us. And depending on our natural strengths, like some people are very visionary people, some people feel, some people hear things. 
the information is going to come through in whatever way is most comfortable to you. And it will come through your imagination <laughs> and your own thinking and your own uh, energy system. It'll just be a little different. And so a lot of people are looking for these grand experiences. Like I need to see things in order to believe things, but spiritual world is very subtle. And so you have to become very still and very subtle to experience um, these other forces, but they're always here. They're always, um, they, they want to, to help us. They, they want us to, to contact them. them in my opinion. Yeah. So I know that you are encouraging all of us to be looking inward for answers instead of outward. That said, are there traditions that have been valuable to you in coming to understand that? I know that we have listeners who practice a, a wide variety of spiritual practices, and we have listeners who have none at all. Um, and I'm just wondering kind of what traditions you have found valuable in getting to this place. I've studied a lot. <laughs> I think meditation, Buddhist meditation in, in, in general, just sitting and watching the breath and just learning how to watch the mind so it doesn't use you has been really powerful. Qigong and learning how the energy meridians work has been also really powerful because there's a, a scientific basis for it. It's based on the acupuncture points and it's been studied for thousands of years. And then yoga and kundalini yoga and just learning how to work with energy in general has been really really overwhelmingly <laughs> powerful and beautiful and i was a little bit skeptical too when i first started all of this because it's not something in the western world at least that we are fully aware of we've kind of forgotten this maybe in the eastern world people get it a little more and so i i first got into qigong i, I found a teacher because one of my ex-partners his dad had chronic back pain and he went to chiropractors. He did anything he could to try to alleviate his back pain. And finally he sought out an energy healer and his back pain was gone after one session. And so I was like, okay, maybe there's something to this. And I started to practice it. And I, I found that uh, if we really do learn how to work with our inner energy and, and release uh, blockages and become sensitive to it, um, we can kind of power ourselves up like a battery and we feel more energized. We need to eat less. We can, um, we just feel healthier. We can, um, you know, just fill ourselves with the necessary energy to feel youthful and empowered throughout our lifetimes rather than just subscribing to the notion, Oh, you know, I, I'm, I'm getting older and I'm, I'm going to get sick or I'm going to get osteoporosis or, you know, things just happen that way. We have the power to actually take responsibility for our lives and, and send energy to certain areas of our of our system to to allow us to age gracefully and uh, stay healthy in, into our youth. And so Qigong for me was really powerful because you can do it at any age. You can do it when you're lying down. You can do it when you're young, when you're old. Very, very easy for anyone to try. And it's, and it's super powerful. So I, I definitely recommend just, uh, you know, just just seeing what works, whatever you're drawn to, I, I really just encourage people to, to, to follow because all paths are sacred. All paths lead to the same source. And what is your understanding of the connections that we have among humans, given your perspective on why we're here on earth and our connection to higher beings, given what I think I understand you to, to see in our connection to higher beings, how should we connect with each other as human beings? 
even even like science and quantum physics proves that we're all connected and the mind wants to separate itself from other people the ego is a is a very beautiful tool it helps to it helps to protect us in this physical realm if we didn't have it we would just and we felt like we were all one all the time maybe we would just walk out into traffic and you know die so it's a very useful tool but we're giving it way too much uh power we're giving it way too much importance and we really need to be coming back to to the heart and that's really what my book's about moving into the heart space the rise of the, the divine feminine is about moving into the heart and and balancing the mind and the heart and so if we really start to move inward and discover that we really are one we are one consciousness at our core um suddenly we don't feel the desire to compete with each other and, and one-up each other because when you when you really think about it it's like why do we do all these things that we do why do we buy fancy cars or or, or, or try to make a bunch of money to get the big house or, you know, anything that we like to do as humans. We do these things to feel happy, to feel good emotions, to feel connected, to feel worthy of love and to have people around us who, who appreciate us. And so we can focus on those feelings to begin with and then we won't need all of the physical things or just which are just an illusion anyway. We won't need to... Um, create this fake sense of power we can we can just align with our true power which is you know in our heart and so I think just slowing down and, and moving into the body really allows us to feel what we are because what we are isn't something that we can comprehend with the mind and just analyze <laughs> so I think it really is about moving out of the mind and, and and realizing it's a tool and witnessing it but coming back to the heart space and coming back to unity and seeing everybody as as an equal and if we can get to that place all the problems will be gone in the world all the problems exist right now because we're giving too much attention to the ego and we, we're seeking all this power but it's not it's not real power it's just power over other people which is weakness disguised as, as strength in my opinion oh that's so beautiful that's so beautiful if i'm listening to this and the weird stuff as you said earlier <laughs> is very far from where I am today. But I hear you and I think, wow, I, I like her energy and her calm and something about this calls out to me. What's What should my first step be? I would just say follow that, follow your intuition. I, I never tell people to believe everything I say. I think that's ridiculous because you need to, to make your own opinions. And I love it when people don't agree with me. I'm totally fine with that. It would be awkward if everyone had the same perspective as me. Um, I would just say if you feel excited about something in, in my book or in my teachings or on your own path, if you feel drawn to something, just follow that. Because I feel like if we follow things, even if we don't necessarily know why we're, we're doing something, the universe really um, leads us in the right direction. And so a lot of people in the New Age community or in the spiritual community talk about seeing... Uh, synchronicities or signs and if you slow down enough and you become present and you're just kind of watching life becoming the observer rather than trying to to uh, label everything and check things off a list and you go about your day and you're, you're honestly just in the moment and you're and you're just watching and appreciating you'll start to notice that you really are still connected to, to nature and to everything around you and you can still communicate with with life 
Um, but it, it communicates to you in subtle ways. And you really just have to kind of be open to what, what the universe wants to say and, and trust. Trust is the main thing. Um, in healing work and in, on the spiritual path, you have to trust in yourself and you have to trust that you're powerful and you can do anything <laughs> that you set your mind to. So Sarah and I are both practicing Christians. We both have yoga practices. We both meditate. We both uh, draw on Buddhist wisdom often. And we view all those things as entirely consistent. I'm wondering what your perspective is on religion versus spirituality, how you conceptualize those things, and what you would say to someone who says, is this like, does this contradict what I've been taught? Or how do, how do I think about this? That's, that's a good question, because I have had a lot of, you know, maybe some more fanatic people tell me I'm going to hell for all these things that I'm doing, and I'm like, I'm okay. so sorry anyone has <laughs> oh, said that okay. to you. No, it's fine. I, I totally understand. And I, I really do feel that everyone's path is sacred. So if people are following the Christian religion or another one, and they're getting something out of it, they, they feel love, and they feel connected to God, or they, they feel connected to themselves, and that's beautiful. Um, it's only when we start using our beliefs to put others down or separate ourselves from each other that it becomes toxic. And that can happen with the new age philosophy that can happen with Christianity. It can happen with anything. And so I really am under the belief that all religions are, are sacred. There's something beautiful in every religion and they all, they're all leading us to the same thing, which is basically just be kind. Everyone's mm-hmm. one, just just be kind, honestly. Just just be a loving being. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of religions are being used to control people, and people are killing other people on behalf of their religion. So it's a little it's a little wonky right now. But I feel like at the core of all religions, it's is love, and so that's what I try to focus on. I, I try to s- simplify everything. So people can digest my information, but I, I don't uh, discredit other religions or or say that they're wrong because everyone's path is sacred and and unique and, and necessary. You talked a second ago um, and in your book about the divine feminine. Can you discuss what that means and why you think we all need to tap into that more? So I feel like for thousands of years we've been in a really masculine state, and by that. I mean, you've been giving a lot of importance to the mind, to being in this alert, problem-solving consciousness. Let's produce things. Let's achieve things. Let's keep thinking. Let's keep moving forward. And let's suppress the feminine. Let's not feel. And if emotions come up, no, we can't feel those things. (laughs) Even in daily life, it's like if you get sick, you can't just call into your work right now and be like, I need a mental health day. That's just not allowed. We don't, we don't accept it, at least in the Western world yet. It's getting a little bit better. And so we've been pretty unbalanced for a long time, and this is causing a lot of problems. It's pretty apparent on the planet. And so I think by moving into the heart space and not necessarily neglecting the mind, but, but living in coherence, Um, we're going to be a lot more balanced. And I feel like the divine feminine isn't about woman being in power or anything like that. It's about the awakening of intuition again and the awakening of our natural psychic gifts, which we, which we all have, which we can all learn to, to use. And this is happening within males too. A lot of males are waking up now and they're feeling all these emotions that they haven't 
felt before and they're, they're getting really overwhelmed because they haven't been taught how to, to navigate. And so um, it's a little bit of a difficult time, which is why I keep putting out my information. <laughs> so what is your hope for someone who picks up your book? What is the promise of your book? I love that you, you reinforce over and over, you don't have to agree with every word of this, and you can use it in the way that works for you. What do you hope someone who reads this really comes away understanding? Yeah, my main mission that I've chosen here is to help others learn how to heal themselves and awaken to their true potential and suffering and live in enlightenment. So in my opinion, enlightenment isn't something that's so far off and you have to go to India for or spend 10 years meditating to get. It's something that we can all feel in the moment just by becoming present. I feel like our natural state is loving and peaceful and blissful. And we can align with that just by becoming still and and watching the breath. And the mind is something that won't shut off. Thinking is an automatic function, but we can learn how to watch it and and use our mind rather than have it use us and, and take away our energy. So it's basically uh, just a, a navigation tool for uh, inner work and spiritual work so people can really learn how to access their own power because in a lot of religions, it, it, it's pretty common for one person to have the power and everyone to give the power to that person. But I really feel like we are all divine beings. We're all equal and we all have the same potential for greatness and to connect to God. And so I I just basically teach people that God is within. You have the power to connect to that sacred place within you. And when you when you feel that connection, you know, all of the negative negative emotions get washed away. Sicknesses get get healed. Love really does melt. Um everything toxic away and it sounds a little bit hippy dippy but yeah that's that's what I'm putting out there well it is certainly a relevant time to be talking about power in particular and so um, I really appreciate you spending time with us how can folks find your book connect with you um, and learn more about what you have to share so I'm on YouTube you can search me up Christina Martin my website is the same, christinamartin.com. I offer courses through there, astrology readings, healing sessions. And if you want to support the book, you can go to Amazon and order a paperback copy or an ebook copy and leave me a review, review because it is a self-published book. So all the help um, I can get is very much appreciated. And get get at me online. I'm, I'm all over the internet and I would be more than happy to connect with, connect with you. Well, we will put all those links in the show notes for today's episode. And thank you again. I think this was a really lovely conversation and I'm, I'm really grateful for your work. Thank you. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. Now, as we do every week, we're going to share something to leave you inspired throughout the next couple of days. A listener sent us Manifesto, the Mad Farmer Liberation Front by Wendell Berry, and I thought we could share it this week. Love the quick profit, the annual raise, vacation with pay. Want more of everything ready-made. Be afraid to know your neighbors and to die, and you will have a window in your head. Not even your future will be a mystery anymore. Your mind will be punched in a card and shut away in a little drawer. When they want you to buy something, they will call you. When they want you to die for profit, they will let you know. So friends, every day do something that won't compute. Love the Lord. Love the world. Work for nothing. Take all that you have and be poor.
Love someone who does not deserve it. Denounce the government and embrace the flag. Hope to live in that free republic for which it stands. Give your approval to all you cannot understand. Praise ignorance. For what man has not encountered, he is not destroyed. Ask the questions that have no answers. Invest in the millennium. Plant sequoias. Say that your main crop is the forest that you did not plant. That you will not live to harvest. Say that the leaves are harvested when they have rotted into the mold. Call that profit. Prophecy such returns. Put your faith in the two inches of humus that will build under the trees every thousand years. Listen to the carrion. Put your ear close and hear the faint chattering of the songs that are to come. Expect the end of the world. Laugh. Laughter is immeasurable. Be joyful, though you have considered all the facts. So long as women do not go cheap for power, please women more than men. Ask yourself, will this satisfy a woman satisfied to bear a child? Will this disturb the sleep of a woman near to giving birth? Go with your love to the fields, lie easy in the shade, rest your head in her laps, wear allegiance to what is nighest to your thoughts. As soon as the generals and the politicos can predict the motions of your mind, lose it. Leave it as a sign to mark the false trail, the way you didn't go. Be like the fox who makes more tracks than necessary, some in the wrong direction. Practice resurrection. I love that. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of The Nuanced Life. We'll be back with you on Pantsy Politics on Friday and here again next Wednesday. Until then, keep it nuanced, y'all. Nuance Life is produced by Dylan Garvin. Elise Knapp is our production assistant. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. The Nuance Life is listener supported. For $5 a month, you'll receive an extra episode of The Nuance Life at patreon.com slash the nuance life. You can connect with us on our website, thenuancelife.com, and follow us on Instagram.